Hi, this is Pete and Tim, and it's record time. We often listen to music in a disconnected stream of different songs. The radio, DJs, playlists on shuffle. That's how they all work, doling out one random artist after another. And we often listen on the go. Music barely ever gets our full attention. But it does on Record Time, where we dive deep into some of the best albums ever recorded. So let's give a little time and our full mind over to the vision of a single musical artist. This week, that artist is A Tribe Called Quest, and the album is The Low End Theory. And for those who like a liquid accompaniment to their active listening, we actually couldn't find any. I, yeah. I scoured this record for references to alcohol, and I found none. One vague allusion in a lyrical joke, but that was it. And so we're just having some beers. Having some beers. <laughs> You can too. Uh, I'm Tim, and I am joined, as always, by Pete. How are you, Pete? You on point, Tim? All the time, Pete. Dang, dang, and dang. All right, good. <laughs> Had to get that out of the way. Let's get something else out of the way before we dive into low-end theory. Please. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Actually, we are halfway through our first season. I can't believe it's uh, come this quickly. Yeah. We're doing a 10-record season, and we are uh, now recording episode number five. Very exciting. It occurs to us, halfway through our first season, that uh, it might be nice for you guys to be able to reach out to us and get in touch, right? It'd be great. We'd love it. <laughs> we do have a Facebook page. Uh, many of you have Facebook. Uh, a few less, perhaps, than when we started this. <laughs> I'm not sure how much longer we'll have it. <laughs> yeah, we don't but know. for now. For the moment, we have a Facebook page. It's facebook.com slash recordtimepodcast. Uh, we have a Twitter. Uh, you can reach us at recordtimepod to save you a few keystrokes. Um, we are working on getting a voicemail together so that you can call us with your reactions, uh, your recollections of the album, stuff we missed, stuff that you liked. Um, and we... factual inaccuracies, too. Oh. <laughs> Please. <laughs> Set us straight. Did we have any of those? I don't know. <laughs> of course not. But if that ever were to happen... For some reason, you could let us know. Yeah. I feel like we're not experts, but we're scholars of music, and we're celebrators of music, and, and so, you know, our opinions are ours, and, and uh, we'd love to hear yours. Yeah. So please reach out. And for the moment, until we get that voicemail together, you can reach us uh, over email at yeah. recordtimepodcast at gmail.com. So thank you all so much for listening. I think Record Time, we succeed if we encourage other people to engage, encourage other people to listen, and just to listen and decide what you think and, and really take the time to under, to appreciate the work that went involved in the music that floats by all the time. Yeah, this show is about the relationship a listener has to an album. Yeah. Um, uh, and certainly, uh, Peter especially uh, brings a lot of musical knowledge that is going to be a huge component of this. But I think ultimately the, the real key to the show is this is what it's like to relate to an album yeah. as a listener. Yeah. Maybe as a musician, maybe as just a fan, who knows. And there's infinite levels, and everyone has their own, and it's great to talk about them, celebrate them, and share them. So please do. Looking forward to it. All right. Back to the try. Here we go. Do you know 
the importance of a sky pager. Maybe we should have a sky pager as well. <laughs> we should. <laughs> so that when I'm on a sunlit beach, we'll p- <laughs> I can we'll hear how I was wrong about Tribe Called Quest in several ways. We'll put that feature into the Google Voice number. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So where do we start with low-end theory? Uh, Man. Yeah. Plenty of places. I right. mean, I go back... 25, 26 years with this album. Well, let's go back to its release date, actually. 91, September. September 24th, 1991. Uh, very influential album, this, in the rap world, right? Good Lord. Uh, very, Apparently, very yeah. Very highly regarded, yeah. I mean, beyond the rap world. Y- I would indeed. say that this has influenced all entire genres of music in some ways. <laughs> well, yeah, and certainly rap. I mean, it, yeah. it, 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 it establishes a couple of different trends and, and basically establishes a genre of rap. Um, more or less single-handedly. Um, interestingly, September 24th, 1991, also the release date for Nirvana Nevermind. Holy crap. So if you had only two albums, if you had a record collection that could only stand two albums, you might not do much better than just grabbing those two and just being done with everything that came out on September 24th, 1991. Oh my God. Massive, right? It does. It, wow, I didn't realize they were the same day. That's same day. Awesome. Yeah. And they are really two sea changes. Right. Things flipped. Right. From both these records. I, I don't know. I mean, I certainly remember that with Nirvana, things flipped. I don't remember that with this record, though I remember hearing about it when it came out. Mm. But what I, it, in preparation for this episode, I did an absurd deep dive into mm. late 80s and early 90s rap. And I recommend that everybody do that because it's. Oh, yeah. Just enjoy it. anyone that you hear from listening to this record. Listen to their records and go and go and go and go. Because one of the things that I love about rap artists is that they like help each other out and they lift each other up and they put each other on their records. And I feel like every genre of music should learn from that and do that and celebrate talent. So all of a, a good rap album ends up being just the trunk of a tree that then spreads. Yeah. Uh, and so. Well, that was particularly true, I think, of the Native Tongues. Yeah, it seemed to be. And their sort of collective, which kind of peaked with this album yes, in, it, in a lot of ways. Yes. Um, and unfortunately kind of dissolved thereafter. Yeah, but was, I know. Pretty but, quickly, too, from the right. stories. But um, it was a pretty broad group. I mean, Queen Latifah comes from that sort of group. Moe Love, you know. Connect the roots to it yep. as a later Yeah, edition. absolutely. Yeah. But anyway, I was going to say that like the production of rap albums did flip after this. Uh, and you can't say that it's completely solely on the shoulders of this record. No. But it seemed like it created an immediate splash that then things were different after that. Yeah. But also at the same time, it kind of got back to rap's roots because it like started in the 70s with loops mm-hmm. uh, over old funk records. <laughs> yep. yep. Uh, and then as it got more commercial, more synthesizers came in. And so by the time the late 80s came around, they weren't using samples that much. Mm-hmm. A lot of it was what I would used to call back at that time like trash can music because it was just really grating, loud, percussive synths uh, in a lot of just hit, uh, rap, R&B, pop yeah. music. Yeah, yeah. And both... Ne- what Another thing that Nevermind and Low in Theory have in common is that they flipped everything back to a, a more natural, less electronic sound. Right. Yeah, uh, a connection to a little bit more. Well, they were both such a, a, a collection of stories. It was. It got back to storytelling. Yeah. Right. That too. From from my perspective, as a you know, in '91, what was I? Seventeen year old uh, white kid in Connecticut. Yeah. Um, I mean, 
we were all really into this album, man. I mean, <laughs> this this was all that was on our records all the time. Uh, in our car rides, mm-hmm. we had like, you know, I remember driving around and listening to Scenario, and we each had we knew what our verses were. Who were you? Um, I was Q-Tip. I might have been Q-Tip and Buster. Oh, I, I kind of hogged it. Yeah. Yeah. But I think I was driving most of the time. <laughs> right. So, hey, you're in here picking the music. You get right, to choose right, who, right. which MC you're aping. Oh, so fun, though. <laughs> so fun. I mean, what? That's the last song on the album. The album is incredible before you get to that song. And that song is is a mammoth. Yeah. Uh, beast, which of course brought us Buster Rhymes. I know, I mean, been to in end our lives your... ever since. I feel, and... like Bo- I feel like Buster Rhymes is the big poppy of rap. That makes a lot of sense. He even kind of looks like him. <laughs> yeah, I in a way, a little bit. Yeah. Um, Buster Rhymes ending your record, like introducing this man to the world. Yeah. Like you've already changed the genre forever, and then all of a sudden you're gonna. De- introduce yeah. a brand new talent as the last verse on your record. <laughs> like, who produced this album? Steve Jobs? <laughs> <laughs> Just one more thing. <laughs> oh, my God. And that was one of the great pleasures of this deep dive that I took the last month is to yeah. listen to Buster Rhyme's entire catalog yeah. and just be so delighted. So if you just listen to him again, yeah. my God, he's so fun. And that's one thing that I love about this album is it's fun. Yeah. Uh, and you can put it on anywhere, anytime. It just feels great. Livens up the kitchen, livens up anywhere. It is just fun. Yeah. Um, and I <laughs> I did not experience this record really when it came out. I was in a completely different sphere. Yeah. I was a nerdy computer kid in the 80s. I was listening to prog rock yeah. when rap was big. Yep. My brother brought home a Ron DMC, DMC tape. Wow. And I was like, oh, this is pretty fun. And I thought it was the one with 30 days on it. Send him back in 30 days. <laughs> and I like you, you would see... I saw the the, the, the videos on V66, and yeah. I listened to this stuff, and it always just felt like a fun novelty to me, but I, I didn't consider it like serious music, because yeah. I was too bu- busy being into things that were in 7-8 time. Right, right. And, you know, like, had mul- <laughs> multi-suites and all this, you know, I was totally a huge prog and art rock nerd, and that's where I was. Yeah. And so pop music was just there and washed over me, and rap, I observed, my friends were into it, it was all around all the time. Yeah. Um... But it was not anything I owned until much later. What, do you remember what act brought you over into viewing rap as its own, as a more legitimate genre? I mean, I loved Ron DMC from the start. I just yeah. thought they were a hoot. But again, yeah. like that's just not what I was listening to. And I confess to <laughs> to like there was a certain amount. Like Ron DMC was fun. Uh, Curtis Blow was fun. Yeah. But then for as me, it was LL Cool J. LL Cool J. Yeah. I really, I I'm not sure I really paid much attention to rap until LL Cool J kind of caught my attention, and then I went back into some of his older um, stuff and just really, really loved it. I think it was De La Soul, actually. Oh yeah, well they were and just listening to them and being again. It, I think for me, I needed the sense of humor. Yes. Because I I admit that a lot of the '80s and early '90s rap. Like as a sheltered Catholic yeah. white kid, yeah. I was pretty intimidated. By yeah, it. yeah. I was freaked out by a lot of what I was hearing. I didn't get it, um, and so I had friends that listened to it, and and I was able to enjoy it with a certain level of distance. But I never felt like this isn't. I I didn't have an interface. Yeah. And so for me, the interface was the humor, and starting to realize that rappers. Oh, in the end, they are just talking about fucking and right. And, <laughs> um, and and they're really funny about it a, yeah. a lot of times. Yeah. That to me that was really I was able to kind of connect on the on the humor and the, I mean I always loved the the beats and stuff but again th- this album really helped yeah. get bring that back because uh, I didn't like the trash canny 
synth flavor. This album um, feels like the roads in the town you grew up in, where you don't really know like the names yeah. of the streets. You just kind of drive this road to get to that guy's house, or this road to get to that girl's house. Do you know what I mean? Like that makes sense. They are so. You mentioned that you know it livens up whatever room it's in. It, it, it to me is such a smooth collection of um, stories that you can kind of tune into if you really want to, but you know they they serve as background just beautifully as well. Yeah, yeah, and um, they just feel great. Just feel great. Uh, and I I, I want to marvel. So hold on, I'm just dialing up because uh, like let's just get to some basics here. So two main MCs, Q-Tip, yep, and Fife Dog, and Fife, <laughs> R.E.P. R.I.P. Yeah. Um, like, but there's there's a couple other members. So uh, they have a DJ, uh, Ali Shaheed Muhammad. Thank you, Ali yep. Shaheed Muhammad. Yep. Uh, and uh, another dude, Jerobi White. Jerobi left. Jerobi left before, during, or before this was recorded. Right. During. Yeah, he has some. Because he had verses on their previous record. He had a lot of verses on the previous record, and he rejoined them for the recent album. Uh, oh, awesome! Which, if you haven't explored, is well worth your yeah, time. Yeah, it's good. Yeah, very good. Yeah, uh, and and Jerobi actually is quite good, especially yeah. considering he hadn't done anything with well with Tribe Called Quest anyway um, since that first album. Um, some of his uh, cut, uh, some of his raps are are some of my favorite little bits on the on the new album. They're oh, really cool. great! Yeah. That's cool. And I um, think that you should like if you anyone has stopped taking the time to listen to Low End Theory, you should check out their first record. Oh yeah, because I think it's it's an incredible leap. That yeah. happens in less than a year between that record and this record. Yeah, and I think a lot of that can be attributed to Fife. Um, I think Fife makes huge strides. Yeah. I think he's a little sort of ping pongy, and and I mean, in some of the reading that I was doing, Q-Tip really had to kind of drag him along a little bit. Yes, and and show him how good this could be. Uh, but he he took the advice, and he. He's staggering on a lot of. I mean, he's he's the most fun. Oh my god! Um, oh, he's hilarious. Yeah, he is. Yeah, he's an an, an inimitable force. Yeah. He is a force as as much as any rapper is a force. No question. Like his personality is fully formed. Uh, his point of view is fully formed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and Q-Tip is too, and he's got an, his own. It's a great, uh, you know, straight man uh, and comedic voice kind of balance. Like yeah. Q-Tip is much more grounded and it allows Fife Dog to just go bananas. And it's reflected even in their physical voices, right? Yes. Q-Tip is all smooth and it's got that just perfect little bit of nasal yeah. kind of uh, uh, tone at the top. Um, and then Fife is all rasp and spit and, and you know, dribble. And, and bravado. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's so, so <laughs> fun. They're, they're a beautiful contrasting style. They're like Abbott and Costello. In exactly. That That's yeah. what I was thinking of. They're yeah. like Abbott and Costello. Yeah. Yes, for sure. Um, but I think another thing that's another huge leap, and one of the things that I think is so important and significant about this record is the, the, the production. Yes. Uh, he... The production of the previous record, yeah. this first one, forgive me, has a long name and I can never commit. To People's memory. Instinctive Travels in the Paths see, of Funk and Rhythm. I am so glad you're here. <laughs> Not just for that, of course. <laughs> Thank you. But that record, yeah, uh, it sounds like a demo tape. A lot of it does. And some of it is, is some of that is its appeal. Yeah. Um, no doubt. But yes, I hear that. It is... It is Almost as if you're listening to it from the next room at times. 
Yes. Um, or something. They, they, it doesn't sound like the piece. It's like a pastiche. Everything is like slapped together. Not slapped together. That's the wrong word. But yeah. there are people in the soundscape in your headphones or whatever that you have a few different things that are going on and they, they don't sound like they're of a piece. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. They sound like little scraps that are here and there. And again, that's part of its appeal. And I right. think maybe part of what he's trying to get across, but it, it, you know, it, it sounds a lot more, um, I don't know. Uh, it doesn't sound as polished. There's, as not, low there's a lot of space. It's a very spacious album. And things are muddy and muted travels. sounding and like he's, yeah. he just doesn't have the mastery of the gear yet. Yeah. And then a low end theory, like a year later. Yeah. Holy crap. Yeah. He is an incredible mastery of the gear. Now you linked me to a review of the samples. Uh, oh, it's couple, not a review co- of the samples. Oh yeah, I will post that too. Our Twitter. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's a great YouTube that like plays each each of sample. the original sources, and right. then you hear immediately right. the how they're used in not the, the samples. Right. So and and that was a real education for me. Yeah. Because I'm not sure I ever knew or cared what was a sample and what was being played. Mm. Very little is being played, which is kind of surprising to me. Yeah. There's a lot of pieces of a lot of the songs on this album that I was surprised to see were not lot. You know, were mm-hmm. were, were cuts. Right. Um, and cuts from all over the place. Right. <laughs> Average white band. <laughs> such weird shit with them, too. Jimi like, Hendrix, yeah. They would bend the pitches. Uh, like I'm like, how, why would you even... What would take you from where these source tunes are to where they ended up on the album? I'm not complaining, but Ooh. how would you have thought to like pitch them down, to match this, to slow them, like whatever it was... Just it was amazing to me to hear the sources for a lot of these things. Great. Real education. Good. Yeah. I'm glad. And, and I'm will... sure anybody who's a fan of the album will feel the same way. I do I do think there was a little piece of me that was a little like, oh, I, uh, it not like it was a spoiler, but almost like Oh, the magic has Yeah, a little bit. Like oh, it just all kind of was encased in this little box. And now I sort of realize I always knew they were, that these were samples from places, and some of them, uh, two or three that I had recognized already. But yeah, but it still was like this neat, compact little to-go case of this album, which now is tied to these other things, which I look forward to checking out and yeah. all that. But um, but, but I like your basic point that that didn't matter to you. Never it didn't, mattered. Never, never in touched your enjoyment of this record in any right. way. No, didn't affect it at all. And that's really interesting to me, especially because I'm really deeply into that stuff. Yeah. And I've been following the industry debate about the use of samples for the since it, I don't know, since I was old enough to read those articles. As have I. Yeah. Um, and and there's a question in my mind as to, I mean, I think I lean way over onto the side fundamentally of use the stuff. Yes. You know, create new things from the things. Yeah. But the compensation angle has always been very difficult to sort out, and and I don't know. I've I've heard horror stories about, you know, is it the, what's that big fill that drum fill that's used in everything? Oh, the Amen Brother. Yeah. 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 And the guy who played it is like penniless. Yeah. Was like penniless. Yeah. What was that? And uh, there were was multiple hits off it. You know, mm-hmm. multiple number one hits. Um, I think it was twenty thousand hertz. It had boom, a great. Pap, boom, boom, pap, boom, yeah. Boom, pap. Yeah. And it has been an entire subgenre of music has been built around the samples from that very track. Right. That people have just like sliced and diced and turned into a hundred thousand other things. And the guy who played it didn't even know. Yeah. <laughs> had no idea. <laughs> so that's problematic for me, um, obviously. But um I, I guess I at the end of the day just sort of feel like it's not my job to figure that out. And I'm just happy that people did artistic things with these sounds because 
it's been getting me by. I don't think a, I don't think a month has gone by since this album was released that I haven't listened to it. Wow! Holy crap! And I can't say certain, that about any certainly no, not a season yeah. has gone by. I can't say that about any record. I don't think. Yeah, this is one of my absolute desert island. Hot um, damn! All right, well, yeah. bingo. Well, let me, uh, if, if you don't mind, I'm going to try and like not, so we've opened the box, right? Yeah, and Now yeah. you see how some of the parts work. Yeah. But I feel like then we need to take it that next step further and be like, all right, we've shown you the magician's trick. Now let's take a reflect on the genius of what made that trick possible. Love it, please, yeah. <laughs> so this is early 1990s, and the way that albums were recorded were still on two-inch tape. Um, and... If you wanted to use a sample, you had like a box that looked like an old school like stereo component. You know, it's like a chunk of black hardware that you plug an input into and you plug an output into. And you could basically record a certain snippet of audio, which is then a digital file, like the, the progenitor to the MP3 or whatever. Was this MIDI? Uh, you can play it then by MIDI. Okay. Which is like the, you know, I feel like a good example is if you've anyone who's seen Ferris Bueller and he has that synthesizer, that beautiful piece of gear that he's using to make coughing sounds. Yeah. And so there's one pitch where the cough comes in where it's it's an original cough. Yes. And then if you go up from there, it goes a half step up. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, like the the SK-1. And a musical piece of music will do the same thing. Okay. Um, And you can only do it like one time. So... Q-Tip was doing multi-layers of, of, of things in here. So just for one of the simpler tracks, he was using like a different drum loop, some sort of like rhythm guitar or like funky texture or whatever. Yeah. He was using an electronic drum. Uh, and then he was using yet another, like usually a backing track, like a bass or something like that from something else. Yeah. So for each one of those things, he had to put the record on, play it onto the into the sampler, record the little bit that you wanted to do, then record that to tape, and then, you know, or like loop it a- across the tape. And he would have an idea of like, I want the tempo of this song to be so fast. I think, yeah. and I think that's what, to, and then because, but the song that he recorded, that he's sampling is faster than he wants it. So once he's got it in the sampler, he can play it a few notes back, and it's going to be lower and slower. So that's why it ends up sounding lower as well as slower. In this day and age, I can, on my computer, have 3,000 of those pieces of gear running simultaneously without thinking about it. But at the time, it took And you often do. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) At the time, it took work and effort and craft to kind of find those things. And I can imagine a lot of trial and error with like, oh, I want to use this bit and this bit together. And then when you try to put it, get it in the right tempo that you want for your groove, like they sound sour together. You know? Yeah. And so what he may lack in, say, traditional musical chops to play that horn section from Average White Band or whatever, right. he has a knowledge of his catalog. Yeah. And he's got a knowledge of little scraps of music, not just knowing the song, but knowing a given four seconds of a song. Yeah. Keeping that in his mind and then hearing another four seconds over here and being like, that'd be cool. I can other. make them work together. I can make this work together. Yeah. And that's going to make my sweet beat. Yeah. I So uh, people slag on DJs a lot. Mm. Um, and say they're not musicians, and I think that's garbage. Oh, that is, a, uh, yeah. I, <laughs> I mean, there's a, there's a difference between a, a DJ like Q-Tip and someone who's playing a wedding. Right. Um, but there is a level of creativity that is possible with DJing and pulling in samples and layering stuff together yeah. uh, that I, I think is unique to it as an art form yeah. and should not be underestimated or dismissed just because it's not... You haven't sat at a piano for eight years and learned the major scales. I mean, that's all to say nothing of how difficult it is to uh, do that live yeah. <laughs> with two turntables yeah. and, and scratch them back and forth and fade back and forth between them. I mean, that is that is an instrument, if there ever was one. 
I think so. No, no question. Yep. And so the it, fact it yeah. kind of baffles me actually. How, yeah. How they can like pull a record, put it on the turntable, and drop a needle to the spot they need. Yep. And then send it in whichever direction at whichever pace they want. That like, takes taste that's and skill, a lot, and time and practice, like yeah. any other musical form. Big time. Yeah. And so I think it's it's like the musical form of our time. Everything has become mashups and scraps and genres squishing and everything. Uh, this album had a certain effect of contributing to that culture altogether, I think. Um, one of the things that the reviews keep saying about this album is, oh, it's a union of jazz and hip-hop. Mm-hmm. He calls it out in the, in, the, in the first tune. Right. That, to me, that's like, no duh. It, of course they go well together. Yeah. <laughs> they, they, they sprung from the same wellspring. Right, right. Um, they're cousins. Yeah. At worst. Right. Brothers, and, yeah. And that album, I think it made it okay to, to, to do that kind of genre mashing. Yeah. Uh, and I think you started to see that more after this record. It's a beautiful record. It is. Uh, it, it it feels like one of my best friends. That's great. I especially love it when the weather starts to get a little chilly. Oh, okay. You kind of have more pockets for things. <laughs> you got a little extra layer on. You're a little more cozy walking around. That, to me, Cuddle. is the right time to start cracking out the De La Soul and the Tribe Called Quest, and especially this particular album. Boom, 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 boom. boom, boom. Man. Yeah, I mean, are we ready to go track by track? Or is there any other? I mean, I feel like they, we could just do place setting for this forever. It's a very intimidating album to go through track by track. That's why I was talking about with this like idea of it. It feels like the streets of my hometown. Yeah. Like, I couldn't really tell you. I, I just know they're all beautiful. <laughs> I couldn't really tell you, uh, you know, too much specific about it. I mean, I will be able to. But yeah, let's let's dive through. Let's let's okay. give it a shot. Track one's excursions. Yeah. Uh, I want to right off the top talk yeah. a little bit about some of Q-Tip's musical s- sorcery and the kind of thing that he does in this tune. Do it. So if you listened to the sample YouTube, yeah, you will notice maybe that the original source material for this song is in a different time signature. You know, it's like one, two, three, six, eight. Yeah. One, two, three, four, five, six. Dum, dum, dum. But excursions is boom, 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 So he's taken the original bass line and added another little bit to it to make his little groove out of it. Yeah, I think I sensed that in listening to the. I didn't know from the time signatures because that's not where my mind's at. But I could hear that there that things had been reconstructed and. Yeah, made to serve his purposes. Yeah, I mean, not that you even need to care. No, no, no. You never did, but I think that's fun. He's finding his source material in all kinds of different places, even songs that have a totally different shape, and he's doing what he needs to do to kind of slow them down and and build the right groove out of them. And it's an awesome way to start the record. Low-end theory, you start with that really distinctive bass line and the congas jamming out in the background. And it's a clear message uh, from him in his first couple of lines. Yes. Uh, You know, and the first thing he says on the album introduces... I mean, this fits very well with the collection of albums that we've had that have had their sort of signal flares shot on that first cut. You yeah, know, you're to right. say like this is what the record is. This is what it is. Here it I comes. Mean, right alongside all pretty much all the other ones we've done so far this season. And maybe maybe that'll be a theme, but maybe so. um kind of happy accident definitely fits that mold beautifully. Statement of purpose. Yep. Out of the gate. Yep. And then when that snare kicks in, ugh, it yeah. sounds so good. Yep. The drums sound so awesome on this song and this record. 
it's really tight. Uh, it's re- and and by tight I mean the sound is compact. It it's, feels like it's coming through a tube. At yeah, me. wonderful snap to right, it. Right. Yeah, and and it's all very direct. Yeah. Um, I feel like Q-tip is and Fife are right in my ear. Right in your ear. Yeah. They they're right up front. It's very personal. There's like no reverb on their voices at all. Or right. I mean, there is. You can hear it if you're really strained to hear it. But it's it's really meant to be like up close. Yeah. And that sounds yeah. They want weird. and and it says to me, listen, I want you to listen to this. And I think that's what a, a lot of the appeal was. You know, not to kind of fade back into table setting, but yeah, I did not relate to this album when I first heard it. Yeah, clearly, but they wanted to tell me something i felt like yeah. and i and i felt like i owed it my attention because of how they were presenting it and i i listened i i i tried to learn from it i tried to sort of understand a piece of the world that wasn't my piece of the world um and it was extremely valuable to me in that respect that's great yeah yeah um excursions um I don't think it travels musically particularly far, but it is, you know, once those snares kick in, it's uh, just... It's just, you're off and grooving. And if it's it was a 20-minute song, I wouldn't care. Yeah, it gets you into the mood of where you are. And yeah. then the beautiful horn line that comes in over the chorus. Yeah. It's great, and the chorus is a real statement of purpose. Yes. We're just going to be honest here. We're going to come up front and give you who we are. And everything flows so nice. Like you hear the static noise of the the source material sometimes. Yeah. Um, but the way this samples that just gives it character. It does. No, I love it. I'm not complaining at all. It gives it a lot of warmth and character. But often it can end up making things sound chopped up, and this doesn't sound chopped up at all. It all sounds like a piece, one Mm -hmm. thing, and it just sounds wicked great. One of the strengths of this album is the transitions from song to song. Which are immediate. Yeah. And and they somehow are, in my opinion, maybe you disagree, um, simultaneously jarring and beautifully smooth. Yes. Um, I don't know how the hell they did that, but there are, like, I could never put a song from this album on a mix because I have to, and partially this is just a result of how often, you know, how much I've listened to it, (laughs) but to hear any of these songs out of context or on shuffle or anything like that would just (laughs) devastate, I feel like it would devastate me. Yeah. Um, because uh, they just have to be next to each other. They hold each other up. Um, and I don't know how they pulled that off, because they, they don't sonically... Uh, this is not Radio Paradise. Right. You know, shout out to Radio Paradise, this streaming station that Peter and I both love, and the DJs on that station pay a lot of attention to transitions between disparate songs, Yeah. and they often are a beautiful dovetail from song gift. to song. Yes. Yeah, one of the real beautiful things about that. That's not what's happening here, but they still need to be next to each other. They fit perfectly. They still fit perfectly. Yeah. Tone, even tonally, sure. Uh, they, it, it's never jarring. No. Unless they're doing that on purpose, in which case it's kind of part of the fun. And right. it all seems very deliberate and well yeah. chosen. Yeah, you go from, you know, some sort of um, rickety drum set to, uh, you know, bells or whatever it yeah. is. I mean, they just have nothing to do with each other, except they work perfectly. <sighs> yeah. yeah, amazingly. So, so yes, track two, bugging out. Fife lets it be known that uh, this is not just Q-Tip and his supporters and his pretty sounds. Yes, <laughs> no, this is a two MC crew. Yeah, uh, and he is here to take what's his. Uh, 
super, super, super fun. Oh, yeah, he shows himself in full force. Now, these two tracks, these first two tracks, are fairly typical, like, say whatever, just sort of bravado, our crew. Yeah. These are the things we do. These are the things we like. This is who we don't like. This is what we don't like. Yeah. Uh, hopefully, you like the same thing. <laughs> uh, nice please. to meet you. Yes. Yeah. These are both wide open tracks. And there are a lot of, one of the things I love about this album is there are a lot of tracks like the next one that have very specific storylines. But this is yes. another sort of wide open. Yeah. Um, just let yourself, let your freak flag fly. This is, know? and this is the kind of stuff that happens in rap that doesn't happen in other kinds of music that have tighter song forms. Right. You don't have songs like this. Right. You don't have this much personality coming through just by the nature of how many words come out per minute. Yeah. Uh, you know, rap music has changed pop and other styles forever because I, there is a lot more appetite for more words now Yeah. Uh, than there ever has been. But you, even in, yeah, in traditional songwriting, you can't throw these kind of references out there. You can't, <laughs> and you don't usually kind of, I don't know, put that, the, the kind of personality out there that you would in a song like this. I just, I made a note of all the references because that was one of the things I was really worried about in, in, in trying to do a rap record. And yeah. one of the things that I think kept me from em embracing rap as early as I should because I felt like there was a certain secret code to it that I never, hmm. that I was not privy to. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's like trying See, that to... that intrigued me. Yeah. I felt the same thing, but it pulled me in rather uh, okay. than yeah, to like try and sort it out. Right. Yeah. And, uh, you know, in the end, it is really a lot about fucking and I'm better than you and I'm awesome <laughs> than you and suck MCs, you know. Yeah. Suck. I love the fact that the, this is the first Arsenio reference. That's right. Several on the record. <laughs> Arsenio Hall being a, a uh, popular uh, late night entertainer of the 90s. So there's tons of 90s references in here. Right. Most of the ones I didn't know were athletes in the end. Yep. <laughs> Which I've, you know. Yeah, you knew them all, I'm sure. I knew them all. Yeah. To top it off, Starks got ejected. <laughs> that's a different album, actually. But oh, okay. Yeah, that's, that's uh, Midnight Marauders. But yeah, this is all them. They do a lot of calling out their friends on this record. This is yep. another one where that happens. Again, another thing you don't know, hear in other genres, people shouting out to each other. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. It, it feels like a community celebration. Well, that's definitely a big, big part of the appeal of this album is that, that, that community feel. The tightness in the relationship between De La Soul and Tribe Called Quest, both musically and just socially. Yes. Um, you know, uh, and the native tongues in, in general. Um, Definitely is like dipping back into a a neighborhood that um, still exists, yeah, you know, because it's been recorded and it's there for posterity. And there's a huge amount of comfort that comes from that. It, um, it, as amazing as these tracks are, yeah, the comfort level is like comfort food. It is, yeah, and it's a document of that time, yeah, like any other record where we're well, and and that's we're so lucky that rap gave itself the space to do these call-outs and these references yes. to pop culture of the time, which, as you're very right, don't make their way uh, nearly as clearly um, or as as often in other musical genres because, um, you know, we now have that for posterity. Yeah. It's, it's like... It's like finding a, a pack of pictures from uh, you know high school or whatever. Someone's like, oh journal. Oh my god, let me check this out. Yeah. Oh my god, yeah, you remember? And it's not even about the subject of those photos anymore because you probably remember your buddy who you took the picture of. But it's like, oh my god, look, it's George in the background. Look or, at his hair. Huh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> remember he wore that thing. Oh my god, yeah. that was Karen's car or yeah. whatever. Yeah. yeah. And so there is a a bit of a nostalgic 
uh, effect to this in the end. And because they keep calling out 1991 decade, 2000 decade. Yeah. At the time, no one knew what the fuck was going to happen in the year 2000. <laughs> and we were all uh, going to die. My God. Um, so it, I, I love having that stamp of the time yeah. all over it, unapologetically. This yeah. is just us and our, our jam. So it'd be interesting for people who have not remained connected to this album. It'd be interesting to hear from them, you know, what kind of memories, assuming they have them from back then, uh, this jogs. Yeah. You know, these first two tracks or this album in general. Yeah. Do we want to move on? I think so. <laughs> I mean, we yeah, we could we will continue to talk about Fife through the entire record. No question. But yeah, he's hilarious and he dances all over the beat. Yeah. Uh, they both really have a nice uh, kind of slippery style to There's, their they delivery. Swing. They really do swing. Yeah. And that is one of the things that I love most about rap music is that you have the background, which it's either sample-based or put on a synthesizer, and it's the same thing reliably going around and around and around and around, and it puts you in a trance. Yeah. I get into a trance of a good beat like this really fast. <laughs> yeah, no and question. I, and I could just stay in that forever. Um, and then to have MCs that are really good at playing against that rhythm. I feel like that's where the magic is, is that tension between the very predictable, repeated beat and then the completely unpredictable, just like splatter that goes over the cross at the top through the human voice. Yeah, uh, I think that's an element of it. I think, so if you're talking about the trance that these amazing uh, samples, uh, sample structures um, give you, the the swing of the MCs is a huge part of what kind of keeps you engaged even though you're kind of meant to drift a bit yeah right but then there's also the rhyme schemes oh my god uh that they play with right in really fun ways and then there's also just the imagery the clarity of the imagery yes so much rap um in later years was so frantic that, that I couldn't connect to the imagery, even if the even if the beats were great, even if the samples were great, even if the MCs swung or whatever. Yeah. If I couldn't tell, if I couldn't catch what they were actually rapping about, um, it would kind of fall apart for me. Yeah. So this is the a perfect balance in my mind, a really pure, simple balance of just these beautiful beds, bugging out, no exception, um, with these with the swing and the imagery and the rhyme schemes to just keep you engaged. Yep. So much fun. Yeah. And this one has a similar kind of sound to the first one. I like the first few songs of the record all sound very similar uh, in the way they're put together. And then he starts to kind of play with that as he goes and goes in a bunch of different directions after that. Yeah. Let's so next to... up is Rap Promoter. Let's check that one out. Yeah. Okay. Wait, wait. Before we move on, just I'm not going to do this every song, but this is there's more Q-tip mastery in this. Oh. And I feel like it really adds to especially Five Dogs introduction. And that is he does one of my favorite musical tricks at the, at the beginning, which is he gives you enough musical information this in this way the baseline to make you think like if you're listening to where the beat is like where it should be okay and then when everything else comes in like the beat is somewhere else oh wow uh and that comes across in this in that it makes fife dog like he's kicking the door down oh wow uh because at least in my mind you, i hear the beginning and it's boom 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 i'm not going to be able to do it now cuz i'm on the spot right Dum, dum, dum. So if you think that boom is beat one, yeah. then Fife comes in early. Boom, 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 boom. Well, boom. microphone. Yep. But then when you find out is that after the drums come in, it's bum, 
Bum, bum, ba-dum, bum. The beat is somewhere else. Yeah, that's really cool. What what happens is it just kind of makes you really interested in, in, or at least me. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And it really really makes you feel like Fife is just like kicking down the door. I I hear that. I see that. That's awesome. (laughs) So I love that stuff. Okay, end of rant. Uh, (laughs) Moving on to Rap Promoter. Rap Promoter. Nice Chickawaka guitar beginning. Yep. Took from a completely different context. Yeah. Uh, you know, this is one... <laughs> if there's a recurring theme on this record, it's dissing the music industry. <laughs> yeah. And this is... Uh, and, not, and not in any kind of shady way. No. Uh, it's interesting, too, because um, another uh, similarity is that this is a sophomore effort, right? Yeah. Nirvana Nevermind was a sophomore effort, right? Right, yeah. Um, my favorite oh, yeah. band, uh, The Black Crow's sophomore effort, was a similarly uh, astounding album. Yep. Um, and I think there's a lot of similarities. around the same time as this. It was. There's a lot of similarities in that uh, these guys signed contracts as little kids, and uh, not little kids, but, you know, young kids. Yeah. And had success, and then realized that they had signed horrible deals. Yeah, uh, and tried to do what they could to get out of it. Black Crows went through the same thing. I don't know if Nirvana did, but um, most bands do. Yeah, most bands do. And most and do. Uh, I'm not sure anybody's ever taken it on quite as publicly as <laughs> Tribe seem <laughs> to be willing to do <laughs> with uh, the the fourth song, the third song, excuse me, on this album. Where they basically just expose uh, in fairly explicit detail Ugh. what sucks about the uh, promoters and clubs. And not the only one. You yeah. know, again, not the only song where they get, get into it. And I just love right. him listing out his writer. Oh, my God. And my occasional potato by Orida. Yeah. It's <laughs> <laughs> uh, ridiculous. Yeah. yeah, by the way, uh, I w- Fife Dog, like... I think one of the reasons that he got a fire under his ass for this record is apparently he was diagnosed with diabetes like right before it. It's true. I read that as well. Yeah. yeah. And then I think of the line where he talks about uh, he drinks a lot of soda because they call him Dr. Right. Pepper. And Drink like, a lot of soda. Five, put it down, man. Walk away from that. <laughs> Soda's going to, yeah. Damn it. Um, but I can imagine that probably put some fire in his belly to, to come out really, really hard on this record. And he does all over. Uh, what's more to say about Rap Promoter? I really like the, the groove in this too. Yeah. Um, there's a, there's, Listen to the sample YouTube because there's a bunch of different layers in this that you won't necessarily notice. And you know, we were talking about references as well. Uh, you know, down to their bank. I know <laughs> to the chemical <laughs> bank and get my cash. <laughs> it is, it is just a joy. I think to to listen to the to the images that they hand us through all these tracks. But yeah, um, and they, and they do it just so colorfully and with so much humor. Yeah. And then some repeated lines. Uh, it's the 90s time to make moves. Making moves. Not well, the 80s. Yeah. <laughs> do away with your womb. <laughs> um, is that what it is? Do away with your womb? Yeah, that's uh, not the oh. 80s. Yeah, I don't hmm. know. Uh, yeah, I don't know that I got all of this exactly right. <laughs> Fair enough. And I and uh, you cross-check in internet lyric sites, and that's all people typing it out. out right. Of the goodness of their hearts. Yeah. Uh, there's no deep editorial board. No, no, and I, I don't think Q-Tip has chimed in. Dig a dang, dig a dang, and dang, dang, diggy, diggy. Do we have anything else to say about rap promoter? We want to move on to butter. I think. <laughs> well, yeah, let's move on to butter, man, because that is the smoothest. Oh yeah. Well, it's one of the two smoothest, I think, on the album. Right, they're kind of right in a row. Butter and abstract uh, versus from the abstract is an abstract. No, for me, um, 
It's Butter and We Got the Jazz. Oh, that one's great. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Check out Butter. Yeah, it's like Weather Report there at the beginning. Um, This is another nice groove, like like you say, really smooth. Yeah. And this is all just the Fife Dog Show. Especially in that chorus. Yeah. I love that. Butter Baby. And again, I didn't know this record, but that, like, Butter Baby entered the lexicon and people said it all the time. And I didn't really ever know until preparing for this record that this is what that's from. Yeah, I remember being frustrated when, uh, I wonder... When was the Mike Myers coffee talk? Uh, oh, like would butter. That have, uh, would right. that have been post this or pre this? Around that time. It's close, and I feel like, I feel like at a certain point they were both popular. Yeah. And uh, yeah. I don't know which came first, but I remember being annoyed that it was that that word got like co-opted like over to that, which was much more popular. Yes. Um, because like, I, oh, it's five. for me, it was this, you know. He's talking about being a player. Record. Yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> player with mixed results there, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> Not no paw, K. Bell. <laughs> I remember when. Bell Bib DeVoe called out on this. So this is another recurring theme on this record. Is they they don't they're not crazy about the R and B that's coming out at the time. No, and they're wicked. And Bell Bib DeVoe was a uh, part of like the New Jack swing yes. kind of thing that was hugely possible. That, that was what my brother was listening to. Like Bell Bib DeVoe. Uh, 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 they're, they're, who am I think? That girl is poor. That's Bell Bib DeVoe. Uh, it's my Bobby Brown, of course. Yep. Good God. Yep. Um, well, let me give you the top 10. Oh, yes. Let give me give the you the top. Billboard top 10 when this album came out. Yes. Uh, I don't have the album names, but these are the artists that occupied the top 10 spots in the Billboard Hot 100 Okay. Uh, on September 24th, 1991. Ooh. Garth Brooks yeah. was number one. Metallica, number two. Natalie Cole, number three. And number four was Color Me Bad. Yeah. Bonnie Raitt, then Boys to Men, and CC Music Fact- CNC Music Factory. CNC, that, I mean, that was, I'm about to dance now. Yeah, that was good for the number six album in the country at the time. But just remember, like, the, the soundscape was all that kind of stuff. Yes. All over the place. Rounding out the top ten, Michael Bolton. <laughs> nice. Uh, and then two tiny little acts called... Uh-huh. R.E.M. and Rush. Oh, I find that fascinating that Rush is in there. Right. I mean, because R.E.M., that album was unfucking escapable Right. And it was out of time, I think it was 91, right? Because Automatic so. was later. Yeah, oh, it's not and Automatic. And it was Losing yeah. My Religion yeah. was played every fucking every second of the day. Every minute, yeah. Right. It, was, it was almost as bad. Remember how ubiquitous uh, Peter Gabriel's tracks on So yes. were? I mean, they were just, it was like enough already. Right. They're incredible. I love the album oh, my God. so much. But yeah, but could talk about that one for hours and hours. Right. But, um, <laughs> man. But I, I think Tribe Called Quest felt saw themselves a little bit as like the antidote for all the kind of trashy stuff that was going on at that point. I mean, and some of it's awesome in retrospect. Like, I, he, they mentioned sure. Cameo yeah. later on in the record, <laughs> and I went back and listened to that song, and it's so great. Is that Word Up? Yeah, Word Up. <laughs> and he's ridiculous. Watch the videos. Yeah. Check out the fashions. Yeah, yeah. Get a, a, you know, dip into that, where at the time, we were desperate. Like, I feel like, yeah. I mean, then again, I was deep in Prague and Art Rockland, so I was happy with things from previous decades. But every time I listened to the radio, it felt like a wasteland. Yeah. Um, and then the early nineties happened and things opened up and yeah, the, the, these two albums that came out the same day, I think have a lot of, of deserve a lot of credit for that. 
Yeah, I think they really made people sit up and take notice of what it could be to yeah. be authentic storytellers with your music. Yeah, and they were on the rise this whole time. And where did they come from? They were out there. Right. I mean, and so, and I'm completely ignoring like the alternative scene and so many other scenes that were happening. But, yep. you know, just like in comparison to this record, which went huge and what was on Top 40 Radio and the kind of influence that they had and what ended up on Top 40 Radio later, it was absolutely a sea change. Yeah. But that brings us back to Butta. Butta. Uh, yeah, Fife kind of laying it down and giving his uh, his uh, fashion advice. <laughs> Where's that? <laughs> I mean, he's uh, well. I sport New Balance sneakers to avoid a narrow path. Uh, well, uh, you know, it, it, if you can't extend it, then you might as well suspend it. Oh yes, he's giving really good hair advice. <laughs> if you can't braid it, best thing to do is fade it. I have to ask one thing: is uh, he he says so? He's talking about flow, right? Yeah, I guess. I mean, because it starts about he was into flow, and then flow was playing around and he didn't like that but is the the girl that he's talking about being like the bionic woman Flo or is that is he moved on to someone else at that point I can't quite I tell. don't know I remember getting confused by that too because he says it uh all the troopers around the way used to call her a hoe yeah but deep down in his heart he knew that Flo was good to go right which sort of to me sounds like he also thinks she's a hoe yeah so why right. is he saying but deep down in my heart I don't know. You know what I mean? He sets them up in opposition, but to me, they mean the same thing. He was setting himself up to be upset. If anybody knows who Flo is, we have some questions. We do. And we hope she's doing well. (laughs) But now that I look at it again, I think that in the second verse, he's just going off on modern style. And how women are, presumably black women were like bleaching their hair and and, like trying to look not like themselves. Yeah. (laughs) They also don't have a lot of patience for people who didn't know him back then. Yes. Right? Yeah, right. This is a big Tribe Called Quest theme. Yes. Um, which uh, I guess I get. I mean, it's a big rap theme, certainly. Right. But who's uh, OG? Yeah, who is Jen Yeah, well, and who the... goes way back with them? If yeah. you didn't have time for me then. Then you don't. Yeah. I don't have time for you now. That's right. Yeah. And I note, I note what I think. I have to ask you this. So he's like, here, here, take the towel, wipe off her brow, take the contact out your eye. You're far from looking fly. You get an, you get an e, e for effort, effort and, and T for a nice, nice try. try. I'm assuming he's calling her E.T. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> I mean, that's pretty low, man. <laughs> For dyeing your hair. I mean, like, he just goes off yeah. on this whole stylistic thing. Oof. And yet, it's such a kind track. <laughs> you know, like, you don't think... I mean, he gets away with it. You know, my kid, my son uh, has been really into the word mischief. Ooh. He's, like, very fascinated by this level of... Uh, badness that is okay right <laughs> and i feel like fife is very much a mischief rapper rapper hey, i'm full fully embrace pushing the line you yeah. know and he's definitely pushing the line i mean they go way over in date rape um, yes way over yeah but uh i feel like he's right on the verge right now um and it's i mean it's still funny it's funny he's catty right and i don't think that he necessarily thinks that he's that much above that right um but it, the other thing does is it it, it paints an incredible image. Yeah. <laughs> I imagine this person that he's talking about. Yeah. And I certainly remember that from the time. Well, I mean, that's the way it is with everything that they're talking about. Yeah. I feel so into, I, f- I feel like I can hear them really well. Yeah. Um, more so than in other rap albums, more so than in other, any kind of albums. Yeah. Um, you know, it feels like not a conversation, but I don't know. It, it, this album really transports me. 
Yeah, and it, it it does feel like their most I don't know like genuine snapshot of themselves. Like yeah. listening to their records after the Midnight Marauders is awesome. Yeah, but um, it's but it's got this sort of structure to it and this show to it. Yeah, uh, where it's this uh, almost more of a it's more of a concept album. Yes, I guess. Yeah, but um, yeah, but this feels just more like this is me. This is my honest statement. Yeah, it feels like um, Revolver almost in that. You can hear both sides of the Beatles Ooh, to me in, yeah. in Revolver. Yeah. Um, maybe more than any other album. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when you listen to People's Instinctive Travels and then you listen to Midnight Marauders, you can hear kind of both of those, the balance. This is a, a transition album, but it's so crystal. Couldn't have said it better. Yeah. Right. And then uh, another track that exemplifies that. Uh, versus, oh, man. Versus from the abstract. No question. So... Young Tim thought that a lot of this album was being played or, you know, but it seems like one of the very few actual sort of pieces of instrumentation that they did in the studio uh, is the uh, basis for this track. Yeah. 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 Uh, His name is Ron Carter. He uh, was a jazz player that uh, did tons and tons of session stuff. He's most famous for having played with Miles Davis in the 60s Mm. on a few records. Um, but I, I guess, you know, I didn't look up the connection that they made. I mean, I think they just hired him because they wanted that, that feature. Yeah. Um, and he sounds awesome. Um, it's unlike, he, he ends up serving as like another MC on the track. Yeah. Like it's this wonderful kind of like hypnotic sort of repeated bit and he just dances all around it. He just does whatever he feels like. I almost wish that he had a little bit more of a feature. Like he had like a little solo section or something because he could miss it. Yeah. And I think I probably did for a lot of my sort of journeys through this album, maybe because I was thinking whatever, all the music is just all the music and I wasn't as concerned about that, but um, I didn't really know about his involvement in the album and and how blown away everybody was in the studio when they had him uh, until prepping for the show. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, no, See, it was a very more pleasant to learn surprise. The whole way, no matter how long, how much you know it, if you dig oh, into it, yeah. there's new stuff to find. I love that. That's great. And this is an awesome Q-tip feature. Um, you know, like, <laughs> I love the way that he talks about sex. Girls love the gym because it causes crazy, crazy friction. Crazy friction. You know, like when it gets I, up in, yeah, it fluctuates I the addiction. I kind of like his uh, attitude to sex more than I like <laughs> Fife's personally, but I, I like that we get both points of view. Yes. Um, uh, and I feel like this is a great feature to him. And again, it's another party track. He's calling out all his pals: Fife, Uncle Mike, Rob Power. Uh, he's calling out the Jungle Brothers, De La Soul. They're all represented here. Like, yeah. you know, entire geographic areas are shouted to. <laughs> yeah, we're back into a, a much more broad, much more sort of traditional um, rap uh, perspective Yeah, for this track. But it's just, yeah, it's a groove track. And I feel like we're kind of getting back to that all the time. These are... Um, Going back to the Beatles once again, you know, I have this impression of them where it just seems like everything they put down on a record was enjoyable yeah. to some degree. Uh, they weren't all astonishing, but they were all listenable, mm-hmm. um, song for song. And, you know, this record feels that way. It feels like everything they did just worked yeah. really, really well. There is no down, not for me anyway. I, I, I The closest I get to a bummer track or a track that that loses my interest at all is Skypager. Yeah. Um 
because it does feel a little out of place. <laughs> it is a little random. But it it presents itself fairly and squarely and stays there and and follows through really well. There's a lot of fun little production things on there. There's a lot yeah. to listen to. It's just funny. Yeah. <laughs> it just doesn't silly quite match the vibe, person, yeah. but like whatever. Yeah. I mean, I guess scenario doesn't really match the vibe of the rest no, of the album. No, it sounds anyway. like a completely different album. Right. And but it, it sounds still like, oh, works. This is what early 90s sounds like. Yes. Scenario does, I feel like, somehow. But, but still is the best that it, the early 90s... I mean, that track may be right. the best, certainly one of the most influential individual tracks since, like, Sugar Hill Gang. I believe it. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think this album is a uh, maze, and you can find, uh, you know, that every time you journey through it, you will not quite travel through the exact same ways you did before. I feel like it takes a few listens to really kind of sink your teeth into it, like a lot of rap records do. Just that Maybe it's just for me, like you just have to do that genre shift in your head. Yeah. Uh, and maybe. you kind of expect different things out of music a little bit, but then you, it, it's like a slow, slight calibration <laughs> to the way that I listen. I feel like I have to do that with, with rap and hip-hop more, more so than other styles, except maybe classical. Yeah. And jazz, too. I guess because you're listening to different kinds of things in those in those different styles. So give this one a few listens to really sink your teeth into. I felt like I went through a journey preparing for this, and that like I had a few initial listens where I was like, "Oh, I'm super psyched to dig into this," and then it kind of fell off a little bit. Oh, and interesting. Then, and uh, I started to wonder, like, "Am I going to have enough to say? Am I, am, am I really engaged in this?" And then I just went Phew, sky high. <laughs> yeah, I fall in love with each record that we do in a oh, different, absolutely deep way. Yeah, and um, we hope you guys do as well. Yeah, we sure do. Now, uh, by the end of this album, you get to Scenario. We've talked about it a couple of times, but I want to spend, if we're going to jump around, yeah, let's, let's jump, jump to around. the end and then yeah. and then back through. Sure. Because Scenario is this, like, it's everything they've been talking about, all the shout-outs. Yeah. It, uh, they're actually happening. Uh, the, <laughs> the people are here, and it's all, it, I just, I have this collection of songs, um, we've talked about it before, where I feel like they've just created absolute magic in the studio beyond and above what musicians could ever do alone. Uh, songs like Town Called Malice, um, where there's just an energy, a wild, wild energy that they captured there. Yes. And Scenario feels like one of those tracks to me. Yeah. Um, I don't know how they got everybody to that place, but... I don't either. It's... But they're all at 11. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and all given at their A game. They, yeah, some of them are stronger than the other, and you can kind of hear that. It, it's, it made me think of like how, how quickly they each had, how much time they had to put their verses together. Right. Because I feel like Fife's and, and Q-Tips are really, really strong and have a strong message. And then like a couple of the other ones, like uh, uh, Dinko D, I didn't feel like, he was kind of flailing a little right, bit. Right, right. <laughs> Yeah. You know, and then Buster Rhymes comes out, and it's just like this whole other, holy shit. Well, Q-Tip wrote a little bit of Buster's verse. Oh, he um, did? Verse. Oh, yeah. okay. I didn't yeah, know Yeah, yeah. He, he wrote some of it. Yeah. Um, and he is just a force of nature, Buster Rhymes. Good God. Yeah. Um, but it, yeah, it's, it's, it's fun to have the whole crew together. And that was an anthem song, man. I mean, driving around as a young kid with that song going, it just felt like the absolute... Yeah newest and best thing we could possibly be hearing. Um, I believe it. Yeah. I believe it. It was so perfect. I can see exactly why. And uh, it, was, it was around. I remember definitely hearing this tune a lot. And I, it takes me right back there every time I every time I listen to it. Yeah, it puts me in college. Yeah. And it's got an uh, awesome beat, Jimi Hendrix. Yes. <laughs> as his backing track. That's pretty sweet. Um, and they all just sound great. And I feel like Buster Rhymes like, yeah, makes his career, right? 
every one of them nails it, and Buster Rhymes somehow towers Desecrates above all of them. Everyone in in some way, and I felt like he, you know, rode the momentum of that track uh, right into superstardom. Yeah, an incredible career. Yeah. Yep. It's fantastic. Yep. Yeah, and it's a right huge, great party track, and but yeah, weirdly different than the rest of the record. Yeah. But I feel like they he he kind of sets us up for that. The first few songs are are like the exact same palette. Yeah. Then it sort of like tries to get this variety and back where you know where we were the show business. Yeah. I, we got to talk about show business a bit because that song sure. is such an awesome jam. Unbelievable. Um, I love the little descending guitar part that happens over the chorus. There's so many interesting elements in this that come together and wow. don't clutter. Yeah. It sounds yeah. so. Cool. Yep. And this is our first guest uh, appearances is on this tune, right? There's a couple other of his yes. their pals. Yes, I gotta add my two cents and yeah. don't be alarmed. <laughs> the rhyme was condensed in a matter of minutes, so it must be told. And this is a great example of them just dancing over the beat Yeah, in such an awesome way. I think it helps that it's really upbeat and all of their raps are coming fast and furious, but it just moves so well. It's wicked fun. And it's a lesson it's a cautionary tale yeah. and it's not the only one no and, you know we talked about uh, rap promoter and obviously that song is kind of married to this song and, and they, scenario they did talking shit a little that's bit true <laughs> yep yep yeah uh and then there's infamous date rape as well yeah 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 i mean i feel like that's and i it's not just because uh, this is one of those things you have to deal with I, I can't help for whatever reason associate this with the uh massive cultural conversation argument that's going on right now about baby it's cold outside yes oh sure yeah um and uh happy holidays everybody um (laughs) and because this song is like super dated um to say that it doesn't age well is an understatement wait Um, wait wait because i hear it as a as a, a repudiation of people who do these things Really? Yeah. I'm not saying that they're celebrating date rape. Right. I think they get a lot of credit for actually adding that phrase to the cultural yeah. lexicon. Yeah. I did like a little engram viewer because we had heard about, we've, this has certainly been a year about conversation about consent. Totally. Um, and so it had come up like date rape was not a thing that anyone even knew about until the 80s. So I thought about that again in listening to this record and I looked it up and it's literally like date rape comes onto the scene as a phrase in like 88 to 92. Wow. So I think these guys actually get a lot of credit for like introducing that concept to probably millions of people. Yeah. Um, and actually re- getting across the concept of like, oh, she may not be into it. Why don't you fuck off? Yeah. Um, but then I feel like it completely falls apart in the end where he's just like, hey, if you're, if you're going through your period, that's cool. We don't have to today. You know? I feel like if they huh. would just stop halfway through the song. Interesting. They, they, it, it might be okay. <laughs> but it, it, wow, it, none of this, none of, I mean, I got to listen to it a little bit more closely because none of that, uh, I, I felt like it, this song was decades ahead of its time, you huh. know, unfortunately. Right. Um, yeah, right. Even still. Yeah. yeah. Uh, because even that, it was like trying to set this example where men should be. Should be comfortable to be like, yeah, if you are, if you don't want to do anything right now for whatever reason, yeah, that's fine. Like to care about their, yeah, their pleasure or yeah, preference to, at to, all. To pay attention to your, yeah, your mate, and if, yeah, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I didn't see any problem with that. Oh, okay, last part. Yeah, I thought it aged fine. <laughs> okay, good. but I might be just hearing it different than I don't you. know. Maybe yeah. so. Yeah, someone who uh, you know I didn't grow up with it. So I was going to ask you is if your opinion on this song had changed over time. 
No, I, I found it a valuable lesson and, and a useful reassurance that, uh, you know, me and my friends were relatively yeah. on the right track. Thinking about things the right way. Yeah, thinking about things the right way. I mean, yeah, to get that kind of validation from this world that was so different from mine felt great. Yeah. Uh, for sure. No, I... I Okay. Yeah. Good. Oh, then I'm, that makes me want to listen to it again. But even like just like the beginning of it, I was just like, oh, boy, here we go. And I feel like it's like the least sonically pleasant. The the bass line sounds a little like ominous and boom, boom. Um, I don't know. I feel like the whole thing, I, I have a mixed opinion about it because, again, I feel like they do get a lot of credit for at least trying yeah. to create that example at all. Yep. But then, to, but then it, it makes me feel like it, it still feels, by today's standards... Uh, tone deaf in mm. some ways. And that could be just like the, to get back to the baby it's cold outside example. Yeah. I yeah. can't help but feel like these are related because at the time it was probably wicked groundbreaking. Um, but now it feels with with so much time and context having gone on, mm. it to me at least it falls a little flat. Like, oh, look at how, you know, look at what they did, but look at how much farther we had to go even after that. And our, sure. Yeah, and all the, right. The I see what you're saying. That yeah, we're yeah. Still on. I'd have to listen to it again with that thought in mind, because yeah. obviously this is, an old, is yeah. these aren't tracks that I've questioned for decades. Right. <laughs> so yeah, I, I, I will it's give It's a mixed reaction. Again, yeah. they get full credit for getting it out there. Totally. Uh, but I, it's like, I you know, I feel like we've already in this exploration of albums had to uh, come to places where we had to give artists a pass. Like, do we give Willie Nelson a pass, you know, yes. for the way that Redheaded Stranger come, came together? Or do we give Michael and Paul a pass for The Girl Is Mine? Right. Um, you know, and, and that's just sort right. of the passage of time. And you accept that, like, there are norms that are that are in everyone's brains, good or huh. bad. And that that changes, and here we have the perspective of time and history to kind of look back and be like, "Wow, look at how different the norm was." Yeah, and I feel like you could apply that to "Girl Is Mine," and that's a great through line. The song, and yeah. maybe it's cold outside. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, let's just d- keep it as a point in history. And yeah, for myself, it was the one that I didn't feel like listening to after a while. And I feel like it's also the least kind of imaginative. Baby, 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 I don't want to be rude. If you're going to show me, but I'm having an attitude. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Of an album of complete standouts. Right. I felt like you could have, you know, just trimmed that. I'll give it another listen. And, you know. I, I buy that, though. <laughs> I buy that for sure. But uh, there, we're not done with the highlights. Check the rhyme. I love so much. It's one of the most fun grooves. It was it was a big uh, standout single. There's a great YouTube of them performing it on Letterman. Oh, I'd like to see that. Um and uh, I love the interplay between the two of them. I love the fact that it's just kind of a party riff about their childhood and yeah. and and how long they've known each other. These two people have known each other since they were two years old. They, they grew up together. They met at a business school. All four of these guys met at a business school. A business school. A business-centered high school. I forget the name. Oh, a high of school. It. Oh, they. Q-Tip said in some interview that he had known Fife since they were like little little kids. That they may have known each other even longer, but the but the four of them met each other, got together. Uh, in some business high school in Brooklyn, and they and wild, they, yeah. And Jerobi, when he left, he left to be a chef. Mm-hmm. I love that. Yeah, yeah we left to go to culinary. It's so funny. That's amazing. Um, but uh, yeah, I love that they're bringing it back to Linden Linden Boulevard here. Yeah. Uh, and just and I love the I don't know the perfectly in time like huh mm, a smidgen yeah like, <laughs> that stuff is so fun. Yeah, they definitely have a blast. I think I think that might be one of the 
lulls, at least in energy for me, is the mm. on point five all mm-hmm. the time tip. Like, but but it's unfair, I think, to call it a lull. It, it it's not a lull. I stay engaged, but I'm not as um, focused on the listening. It, I'm I'm tethered to it a little bit, but it just kind of lets me float around a little bit. There. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know how, exactly how to put it, but. Um, it's not the most engaged point on the album for me, but okay. it's super fun. Yeah, it is. Uh, I, I just particularly like the groove. Uh, yeah. It just feels so good. Ba-doo-ba-doo. Get some more baseball references boop, in there. Boop, I love the boop. MC Hammer proper reference. Uh, Rap is not pop. If you call it that, then stop. <laughs> so good. They reference their previous album, El Segundo. Yep. And Push It Along, which I think is the standout track. That it is, is a great one. It's so good. Uh, and then they got a little... Uh, Funkadelic reference in there with everything is fair. That's right off a of Funkadelic tune. Yeah. Uh, this this song is uh, uh, it's got a good jam. I like how how, how different it is from everything else. But don't don't. But it's got a driving rhythm. Story about a cautionary tale yeah. as well. No you shit. know, it's back over on that side of things. Yeah. Cautionary is... tales are stacking up on this album. Yeah. But again, th- those were the kind of things where I I didn't get it. I didn't understand, but I wanted to so badly. I, it just drew me in so much to hear these stories yeah. of lives so different. I didn't hear anything like this in the rap that I, that, that came through uh, at that time. Um, well, well, they made a concerted effort to uh, talk about things that were not what was generally popular at the time, the sort of West Coast gangster stuff. Right. Um, although they loved Straight Outta Compton, and that was a, a an influence on this Apparently, album. yeah. Q-Tip like, singularly yeah. popped that record as the yeah. inspiration for this. Of, like, listen to that bass. Like, holy shit. Right. But 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 more from the production side. I mean, they, they really... I mean, like I said before, I scoured this album to try and find a liquor reference. Yeah. There's not one. <laughs> yeah. Not uh, one. And, and they talk about smoking weed. He used to He used to they smoke used to the weed. Smoke. Yeah. Right, they talk about weed in the past tense. Yeah, um, and that was super useful to me as a kid who's not doing any of that kind of stuff right. as That's... well. You know, like I, I was like, yeah, I felt weirdly validated by this rap album from these guys from Brooklyn whose That's... lives are totally different than me. Huh. Um, That's cool. Yeah. That's really interesting. Like I say, this album's an old friend. Yeah. Wow. So you mentioned uh, We Got Jazz earlier. Smoothest track on the album, yeah. very possibly. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think Butter is not, it, it's the chorus of Butter, but the, the whole track of We Got the Jazz. I think this is the track that if I were to just force myself to take a, a cut off this album and put it onto a mix, early 90s rap mix or whatever, yeah. this might be the track that I take. Because this, this track to me, you know, most great albums have a song that, encapsulates the album uh, within it. And I think that's this track on this album. Yep. And they clearly knew that by the name of the song. Right. <laughs> right. And the On Grieve Dolphin Street clear melody. Bum, bum, yeah. Which I love. It sounds gorgeous yeah. right in there. It sounds, sounds like it always belonged there. Yeah. All this stuff that he's taking. It always, sounds, yeah, you're right. It sounds it's exactly like it always belonged like there. Like it was, that's where it came from. And it's crazy to hear that source video. Yeah. Uh, and, and find out where it really came from. I think from. it adds to the magic. Oh, absolutely! Yeah, absolutely. It gives a little bit of the game away. It makes it more. It makes it a more impressive experience. I, but yes. it also makes it a wider, you know, yep. uh, more complicated experience. Indeed. Yeah. 
And uh, Fife's got an awesome verse here. He's doing some like dance hall reggae kind of stuff. He mentions Shaba Ranks later. So it was like competition. You know, definitely sounds very dance hall. <laughs> that little bit of reverb on the drums in this. Oh, so good. Boom, pop, pop. Yeah, that nice snap. So great. I know he was saying like he would use like he would stack up. You can hear like in um, uh, vibes and stuff. Oh, we didn't even talk about vibes and stuff. I mean, like just a, a so fun, good. Yeah, another fun tune. But you can hear he gives the game away a little bit. You can hear the sample kind of cut out, and you hear the electronic drums. Yeah. He does a lot of layering of elements on this that you don't necessarily hear, but that really help give it that pop. And he does that on We Got Jazz as well. And I love, uh, this is where, more dissing of uh, R&B, this is where he uh, Fife makes his references to the whole like New Jack Swing thing. Yeah. Uh, and it's just like going out, like we're much better than that stuff. You should <laughs> listen to us instead. They are, man. I, I don't know that, yeah. I don't know that albums get much better than this album, but I'm pretty sure rap albums don't get much better than this album. It's great. Yeah. I know. Any other anything else you want to call out? Here we are in the middle of a great rap album. There's a fucking Donald Trump reference. And That's true. That was brutal. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. I I I was a little bummed. We we are as we're recording this, we're 18 minutes away from the shutdown. Oh my god. <laughs> so, uh, you know, the album stays relevant. The album's sure got does. Donald Trump on there. Yeah, playing the same long con he always has. You know, getting that image across. But I mean, some of the other references, so there's what here, and I think what is particularly funny, because it feels like like the back page of Tip's poetry book, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but it's really just sort of a fun throwaway jam that I think is, I don't know, is pretty funny. He's got a Shirley Temple reference in there. I think He's... it's a great jab to set you up for the hook of uh, Scenario. Oh, interesting. It's so just it's like, like a lead up. Yeah, I think actually Sky, is it Sky Pager come right before Sky that? Sky Pager what? Yeah, scenario. Sky Pager and what kind of lull you a little bit into like, okay, we're just sort of trailing off here, and scenario comes in almost oh, like man. almost like a secret track without the sort of time delay, dum, dum, you know? Dum. Yeah, dum, dum. you don't even know what it is at first when you hear that intro start. It could be another tune, and, and then, then, then those sudden, raunchy drums come in. <laughs> so good. Oh, but you, you're right, and and Sky Pager and what do have a little bit of a different sound than the songs that preceded it. So yeah. I feel like it, it's a nice transition into yeah. the. But that, yeah, that's interesting to think that he kind of maybe put this deliberately as like a little bit of a fluff track to kind of keep you keep things lively, and then just like smack you upside the head with scenario. Oh man! Again. But uh, yeah, he's got another Arsenio Hall reference. Uh, apparently, he says that nothing Capelka uh, makes you vomit. Apparently, he's trying to talk about gefilte fish. Oh, fun fact! Well done. <laughs> My gosh, he uh, makes reference to Karate Kid. Uh, the honeymooners is the one that I think is yeah. You know, what is Ralph Cramden <laughs> for sensitivity? Like, like, what on earth? Because um, yeah, I am not the one. I got more chain. What's a lollipop without the good ship? Like he's <laughs> a good ship. That's he. he yeah, he has uh, got a wide range of influences. So fun. Music Factory, Mr. Walt. Apparently, Mr. Walt uh, was the owner of a record store in Queens called the Music Factory. Oh, cool. Uh, True Goy, so he references yep. Zayla. Yep. Chris, Chris Lighty, his manager. What's Chris Lighty if he wasn't such a baby? Yeah. Apparently Chris Lighty was like completely part of that 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 whole scene and was the uh, Busta's manager and Q-Tip's manager for oh, wow. many years. So he was... But he started like carrying DJ's records around. Like he was this guy who just wanted in <laughs> to, the, to the rap scene early. Yeah. Just started chasing people around and then ended up being their manager later. Oh, that's so cool. It's kind of a fun music music industry success story. Nicely <laughs> done. Yeah. Uh, and then, yeah, we close it out with Scenario, which feels like a completely different record. It doesn't feel like an end. It feels like a beginning. Of right. S- something else completely. Right. 
And in some ways it was. Yeah. Um, there's a part two of Scenario that got released later as a B-side of something. My friends and I, what was the name? There was a rap Dope. radio program that we used to listen to in Southern, Rap City? Huh. Was it Rap City? I think it was Rap City. In Southern Connecticut, we would hear two hours of just Pete Rock and CL Smooth and Heavy D and just all these amazing acts back then. Um, he, I think we got the jazz. I think he stole from Pete Rock. Yes, he did. And right? he gives him credit for the groove. Right? Yeah, yes. yeah. Pete Rock on the beat. Yeah. Um, anyway, Rap City, one day we were listening to it and... Uh, all of the same people from Scenario were rapping oh. on this sound that was so insanely different than Scenario. And then we were like, what is this? This sounds like Scenario. And then the DJ comes on and says that that was Scenario Part 2, and we all lost our minds. Um, I'm so sorry. I, did, I completely forgot about it until just now. Wow. And I, right. I should maybe we should pause and I'll play it for you. All right. And you can react to it on the fly. Let's uh, let's find out about scenario part two. Pausing. All right. So that was remix. Um, yeah, scenario. Scenario remix. remix off of the Love Movement, which yeah. sounds like '92, came out the yes. next year. Yep. Uh, and it's pretty fun. Like I like the groove and scenario better. It's got a lot more musical interest, but the raps are really fun. Yeah. And I feel like it, it's it's almost their opportunity, especially Charlie Brown, who I liked in the in scenario Brown. Yeah. Uh, but I <laughs> I feel like I I just maybe just he has more seconds of airtime. Right. I I like him a lot more because I get him more now. I mean, I think they were trying a lot harder. I think they tried to stuff a lot more. In That's the what I was remix. thinking. They're like, okay, all right, we did it, and it yeah. really worked. Like, let's really do it this yeah. time. <laughs> it is a true. It is a true sequel. <laughs> yeah, in every way, it is um, trying to make it bigger and badder than the original, right? And I think <laughs> sort of they, yeah, I think they succeed in a couple of different ways. It's definitely a B side track, but it's but fun. it's really really fun, and, and it's especially fun in crazy. relation to scenario. Yeah, and I mean, hopefully, you guys listening are like me uh, and my friends, and like Peter, as I watched when I told him that there was a part two of Scenario. There we go. That, you know, it's like, what? I want to hear that. <laughs> I want to hear all those yeah. people together. Yeah, and for that, it works. Like, it's not a disappointing thing to experience in any way. There's some really fun stuff. Totally, in and I yeah. love all, like, the little moments. And it always makes me think of, like, what comes first? It does... They, they know what they're rapping when they put the track together. There's all kinds right. of places where everything kind of pops out just perfectly yes. you know obviously there's a lot of production and a lot of care that are put into this stuff for weird little throwaway moments yeah uh and what i love is that again this was in the days before computers when i talk about him putting together a base plan baseline out of parts like he's using a razor blade on a piece of tape it's insane and he's cutting it up uh, and putting it back together so a lot of the edits that they did on this stuff like just took hours and hours and hours just to amplify Buster Rhymes like insanity. Yeah. Uh, and I just love that about it. And you put it so well, you know, or you mentioned the sort of trial and error aspect of it. There yeah. just had to be so, so much of that. And I think that's, uh, you know, one of the sort of fantastic little ghosts of art is how do you know when you've arrived at yeah. the thing that you were looking for? Yep. Um, and they just seem to have found it time and time again on people, this album. People spend a lot of time trying really hard to get anywhere near it. Yeah. And then that's why I, this is fun because yeah. you celebrate the ones that are the real gems, the ones that really work. So we hope that you will enjoy A Tribe Called Quest Low End Theory uh, yeah, if you give it a listen or we hope that you enjoyed uh, checking it out prior to the episode tonight. Some people 
have reported that they like to do that. Some people have reported enjoying listening after. Uh, if it's an album they're not super familiar with, um, find what works for you. And fall down a rap rabbit hole. Yeah. Enjoy it. Yeah. Because it's, it, it's so much fun stuff. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm, I'm realizing now that you mentioned Love Movement being in 92. It's not. Midnight Marauders was the follow-up. Right. Which was in 93, I think. Oh, Okay. And then this love movement um, had some extra tracks on it. And so uh, this recording was from 92. Scenario okay. Remix was from 92. But it came out on the love movement album, which was not as, as good, I don't think. I think that came out after uh, Midnight Marauders. Oh, okay. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. All right. Anyway, um, next episode, we will be... Um, Shifting gears yet again. Yeah, as, as always. As is the way we'd like to do, and yep. kind of starting our side two, yep. uh, if you want to call it that. Joni Mitchell, Court and Spark. Another old friend of mine. Wow. Um, yeah, I feel lucky that we get to do these two. Okay. Um, looking forward very much to doing that. Yeah, likewise. And, and joining uh, you in a couple of weeks, folks. I think we'll uh, pair that with, I was thinking like a, like a nice uh, uh, Sauvignon Blanc. That sounds you know, exactly right to me. Yeah, sort of nice sort of white way. wine. Nice chilled white. Yeah, I'm into that. Yeah, cool. All sounds right. perfect. So yeah, we'll, uh, we put these out every couple of weeks uh, at Record Time Pod on Twitter. Um, we'll come back with a voicemail. Uh, and now, here we go. Here with we go, cover. yo. With our cover. We, we made a promise <laughs> with the structure of this show that we're going to cover a track off each album. So we took on excursions. I feel like if we're going to you know spend a ton of time Talking about other people's work, we got to put our money where our mouth is. And here we're doing it, flaws and all, like everything here. So please enjoy our cover of Excursions and uh, still decide to come back and listen some more. <laughs> we'll see you next time. Days when I was a teenager, before I had status and before I had a pager. You could find the abstract, listening to hip hop. My pops used to say it reminded him of bebop. I said, Well, daddy, don't you know that things go in cycles? Way that Bobby Brown is just amping like Michael. It's all expected, things are for the looking. If you got the money, quest is for the booking. Come on, everybody, let's get with the fly mode. Still got room on the truck, load the backbone. Listen to the rhymes to get a mental picture of this black man, black woman venture. Why do I say that? Cause I gotta speak the truth, man. Doing what we feel for the music is the proof. And planet on the ground, the act is so together. Bonafide strong, you need leverage to sever. The unit, yes, the unit, yes, the unit called the jazz. Deliver it each year on the street for the beat. Cause you can find it on the rack in your record store. If you get the record, then your thoughts are adored and appreciated. Cause wherever so glad we made it we work hard so we gotta thank god dishing out the plastic do the dance spastic if you diss it gets drastic listen to the rhymes cause it's time to make gravy if it moves your booty then you shake it shake it baby all the way to africa aka the motherland stick out the left then i'll ask for the other hand that's the right hand black man only if you was noted as my man if I get the credit, then I think I'll deserve it. If your fake moves, don't fix your mouth and word it. Get in the zone of positivity, not negativity. Cause we gotta strive for longevity. If you botch up, what's in that? A pair of Nikes size 10 and a half. We gotta make moves. Never, ever, ever.
gotta make moves. Never, ever, ever could we fake moves. We gotta make moves. Never, ever, ever could we fake moves. We gotta make moves. Never, ever, ever could we fake moves. You gotta be a winner all the time. Can't fall prey to a hip hop crime with the dope raps and dope tracks for your blocks. From the fly girlies to the hardest of the rocks. Musically, the quest is on the rise. We on these excursions, so you must realize hip hop continually about the Zulu. If you don't like it, get off the Zulu tip. What could you do in the times which exist? You can't fake moves on your brother or your sis, but if your sis is a brother is a jerk, leave them both alone and Everything is fair, at least that's how it seems to me. You must be honest and true to the next. Don't be phony and expect one not to flex. Especially if you rhyme, you gotta live by the pen. Your man is your man. Treat him like your friend. All it is this, the code of the streets. So listen to the knowledge being dropped or beats. Beats that are hard, beats that are funky. It could get you hooked like a crackhead junkie. What you gotta do is know the tribe is in the spear, the abstract poet. Prominent like Shakespeare. Edgar Allan Poe. We gotta make moves. Never, ever, ever could we fake moves. We gotta make moves. Never, ever, ever could we fake moves.